Welcome to Truth Talk, a podcast where we seek to answer questions and unravel biblical mysteries that cannot be discussed during a traditional church service. This podcast is a partnership of Antioch Baptist and Isabella Baptist Churches. Welcome to Episode 1, where our hosts discuss such topics as Why Did God Create the World? Biblical Prophecy and Its Context and God's Righteousness. Join us and let's talk truth. So welcome to the first edition of our newest adventure with our technology and doing things a little different. Uh, We're going to start having these conversations with both Brother Bruce and other special guests may join us from time to time and just to talk a little bit more in depth about the biblical topics that may come up in conversation or that you may think about but never get the chance to ask about. So this will be the time for us to give some context to the things that we learn, whether it's in Sunday school, in church, Wednesday night services, wherever. Uh, So it allows us to expand our knowledge and understand our Bible a little bit more. So, uh, which I guess I should introduce us. Uh, My name is Mandy Gordon. I am one of the uh, volunteers here at Antioch that help with the different programs that we offer, whether it's online programs, children's ministry, uh, the band, the worship band that we have here, different areas. Uh, And I'm also happen to be um, one of the daughters of our pastor, Bruce Gordon. So, and that's how we've been kind of developed this by... Uh, some podcasts that we listen to and we learn a lot from. We don't always think we've got the only answer and we don't always think that these people we listen to have the only answer, but you only expand your knowledge as we continue to do this series. And we're trying to educate ourselves and everyone else. Uh, Just let us know if you've got good ideas for that too. So we thought we'd start tonight with a very broad-based topic of conversation and see where that takes us. And Really, when it gets down when you're talking to somebody about the Bible, about God and His plan, why? Why would a creator of everything decide to create the world, to create people who are going to end up sinning if He's omniscient, if He knows everything? Why even begin the process in the first place? Well, that's a good question, and uh, I would say as we begin our discussions, uh, we try to be open-minded. Nobody has all the answers. I don't have all the answers, and sometimes when we get into these discussions and I'm asked a question, I'm asked to say, um, let's come back to that one. may have to do a little research. Um, We don't discuss ahead of time what the questions are going to be necessarily. We did do a little bit for this opening session, but I won't always know, and the guests that come and join us won't always know um, the questions that are coming. That's part of the uh, fun of what we're going to be doing is uh, uh, we're not going to always know the questions coming ahead of time. So the, the basic question is, why did God do this? Was there some need that uh, had arisen that God would have made the worlds and have made mankind uh, in the world? And the first answer to that is, well, God is complete, and so God doesn't need anything. If God needed something, then that would say there was some inadequacy, something that 
was uh, lacking uh, in his being, and that is not compatible with who God is. So God is complete. Uh, God is everything that is necessary and, and everything uh, that, that could possibly be. So he doesn't th- do things because um, there is some necessity there. He does things because he's creative. Uh, we know that because he made us, according to Genesis chapter 1, in his image. And one of the th- images that we have of God, one of the, the things that we have that, are, that is like God, is that we, humankind, are creative. And uh, so uh, we, we know that God is creative. And, uh, and so in God's creativity, he created us. And uh, in, in doing that, he had to have a reason uh, when, when you sat down at an easel, if you were a painter, and you looked at that blank canvas, you have an idea of what you want to put on that canvas and why you want to do it. And so God had an idea when he began to create why. And I believe it's given to us in the first couple of chapters of the Bible. God desired to create a, a being that was somewhat like himself, uh, that he could have fellowship with. Not that it needed fellowship, but he wanted to do that. That was part of his creativity. He had already created the angels, and the angels were independent beings. They had thought. Uh, they originally had the ability to make decisions. We know that they did because we know that some part of the angels chose not to follow God's plan. So they had the ability of will. So like we have the ability of will. So it's not just he was creating ability that could disobey him, which we did. He wanted a being that could be in fellowship with him. And so he created us. So the world that we live in, part of the answer of why, I believe, is that he wanted to create a being that could have fellowship with him, but we were not robots. We were not forced to do so. We did so out of a freedom of love and companionship and that uh, he could enjoy that degree of fellowship. So bringing that up, that just leads me to think, so when, when man was created after, I assume, after the fall of the angels that had decided not to follow God anymore. Okay, good subject. Um, I just say that because if God wanted to have companionship and use that creativity, he had it with angelic beings. And if they had free will and were somewhat independent and could choose to worship God or not choose to worship God, then he already had that. So what made man different to, to, from the angels that, that we needed that side? So evidently, the angels were not imago Deo or in his image. Mm-hmm. They were beings. They were created. They were alive. <clears throat> but they were not creative We never see that an angel desires to create anything. Men create. Mm -hmm. We never see that the angels uh, have any desires to to do the things that both man and God have share in common to do. So they were a different created order of beings. Now there are different kinds of angels, Mm -hmm. different degrees of angels. So God created the angels as servants. And that's actually what the word angel means. 
is servant. Men were not created to be servants. Men were created to be companions. Mm -hmm. Companions with God. And so it's, it's why they were there. When, when did the angels fall? There's some, because there is not definition in the Bible that gives us the exact time. There's differences of when that is. I personally think <clears throat> Lucifer fell after man was created. Mm -hmm. And when he saw that God had set Adam up over this wonderful creation that I think Lucifer thought was his, that God was doing this for him. And when he saw that this fragile being that God was just lavishing his attention and love on, that seed that had been in Lucifer's heart blossomed and he rebelled against God. And so I believe that's when, and, and we see what the Bible talks about in the fallen angels. Not all agree with that, mm -hmm. and I would be, not be dogmatic on that, right. but <clears throat> that's my belief. And that's where we talk about what you're, because not every answer to all our question can be found. Because these are, can be found in the Bible, can be found anywhere. Because some of these questions are just not what God deals with on our earthly journey. Right. Uh, there are things that are more heavenly minded that we're not going to have no answers to. And Some are assumptions that you make mm -hmm. by reading scripture and you're saying, well, this must be what happened. Well, Maybe it didn't happen that way. It seems to have happened that mm -hmm. way. And so that's the reason you get in Bible discussion on non-essential matters. You have to leave room for grace right. and say, you know, if someone sees it different, we can have fellowship with each other. These are not essential matters mm -hmm. that will cause us to not have fellowship with one another. Absolutely. Certainly some folks believe that in prior times that the angels fell and they inhabited to the earth prior to mankind, and we have all of those theories that are out there. I disagree with them, but, but those are out there, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so folks believe different things about how those things took place. Yeah. That's another good point for um, people who are watching this. Uh, just because I have a personal opinion or the preacher has a personal opinion, and, and they are our opinions on our interpretation of what Scripture says or, or something, but... and. When we believe what we believe, if we believe that, that God created this world, some of the, some of the fundamentals of our faith, mm -hmm. and if we all as Christians believe these things, the other extra things are things that we should not fall out of fellowship with believers about right. yes. um, because those are all things that none of us know the answer to. If the answer is not just plainly written, they are, again, our personal belief from our own study and everything, but that's not going to lead us to fall out or have a fight with someone um, about those beliefs because that would be unbiblical. That's right. That would be a problem in our own hearts. Most of what we'll discuss in times like this will be non-essential issues. Mm -hmm. That's what's good to talk about and to think about. Uh, whether Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for us is not up for discussion. That is an essential truth of the faith. Whether he rose again is not up for discussion. Right. The, th those are the essential truths uh, of the faith, and we're, we're, they're non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be talking about some of those things that, that uh, we have studied and believed to be true and we think are true, but we're not going to fall out of fellowship by most of them. Uh, with someone that ha holds a different opinion right. uh, about them. As a matter of fact, some of those folks that hold different opinions 
we can learn from. We can, mm -hmm. we, we, can, we can gather a lot of good information and love and, and have good fellowship with. Absolutely. So I, like you, believe that the fall, hap the fall, the angelic fall happened after man was, man was created because of that jealousy mm -hmm. in the heart of, of Lucifer and the angels that I kind of always envision angelic being like they're part of an army. They have jobs to do. They do this, this, and this, and they do their jobs, and that's what they do. That's what they were created for. The they thought don't. of servitude is, in, I haven't ever really thought it in that context before, but that really does surmise what, or summarize mm -hmm. what, it, what their role was and still yeah, they don't is. They, they don't work operate outside of the specific instructions um, that, that they're given by God. Correct. So, um, so that's really a good thing. I think, th I think a lot of people have an un unbiblical, not necessarily or wrong maybe, view of the work of angels, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they have very specific tasks. Um, we can probably talk about that more as, as we develop this, and I don't want to kind of get bogged down in that tonight. But um, very specific tasks, you know, whether they're archangels or whether they're, you know, the messenger angels, Sheriffs, you know, all types, all types of angels and the different different probably, jobs that they have. Probably we don't know all types, just mm -hmm. the ones that have been involved with us. Do we know something about it? Mm -hmm. That's very limited, even in that. Right. So more than likely, there are many levels of angels that we have mm -hmm. no knowledge. We'll learn lots more about them as we get into, on, on, during Sunday morning, we have just begun our study of the book of Daniel, and Daniel is such a parallel to some of the book of Revelation. So we'll, we'll definitely see more from, from that prophetic vision um, going forward. Speaking of prophetic vision, that kind of nicely leads me into the other topic I kind of want to just broach at the very beginning of this, so we kind of set some some ideas on 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 really how to view your Bible, and we hear a lot now because of the times that we live in about end time prophecy, and and we see things being fulfilled, and and you know you'll see things about the different storms that happen around the United States of America, whether you've got a flood here, um, tornado activity here, hurricanes. Um, mudslides, all this kind of stuff, and you hear us talk about these are the end times. These things are, you know, and and I have concern, um, and I have concern because I grew up under the auspices of your sermons and teachings and all that kind of thing, and of that we have the wrong viewpoint of biblical prophecy. Um, we're so centered on on what happens right here in Georgia or in the United States of America or in the Western Hemisphere um, that we lose sight of how to really interpret or how to apply how we should understand biblical prophecy. Um, so, you know, what is the best way for those of us who are learning and growing to, to really look at what is unfolding? I mean, because what is unfolding is in the Bible. It was prophesied, you know, in the Bible and talked about but we have to be very careful how we apply that so that we don't get lost and so we can't see the forest for the trees. Right. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. Uh, every culture, naturally, when it reads the Bible, reads the Bible 
in its context. And what's wonderful about the Bible is, no matter what culture you're in, whether you're in an American culture, or you're in a Chinese culture, or you're in an Indian culture, or you're in a European culture, the Bible fits. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can read it, and it speaks to you. You don't get lost, no matter what culture you're in. But also, the Bible is written in context. And so, no matter what culture you're in, you have to keep the context of the Bible in front of you or else you will lose the meaning of the Bible, especially when it comes to prophecy. Prophecy is dealing with a specific people and a specific land. It's dealing with the nation of Israel and it's dealing with the land of Israel and specifically with the city of Jerusalem. And so to take prophecy that is dealing with a specific people and a specific area and take it into your culture and try to fit your culture into those prophecies warps prophecy and makes you misunderstand what's going on. So when the Bible talks about in the last days there will be famines and earthquakes and pestilences and all these things, and you're living in a culture away from the Middle East, and you begin to see famines and pestilences and all these things going on, and you start saying, oh my gosh, the time is at hand. Well, the end is near. Well, the end may be near, but that's not what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about those things. Mm -hmm. The Bible is talking about what is happening in that specific area or land that we know of as the Middle East, what is happening to God's people, Israel, and what is happening in Jerusalem. If you'll fix your eyes there, then prophecy makes sense. But if you don't, you have taken out of context what the Bible says. There, there are several ways of interpreting the Bible. Uh, one is to spiritualize. And those folks that always want to make their own particular context fit the Bible have to become spiritualists. They have to spiritualize what the Bible says about spiritual things. So Babylon has to become a spiritual thing. Jerusalem has to become a spiritual mm -hmm. thing. You always have to fit in the prophecies, not as they are literally written, but as some spiritualized event that has happened most likely or may happen in the future. Or you can read the Bible as a literalist. And so everything happens has to literally happen. And so you have to always be looking for a literal event to take place or a literal thing to happen. And so you're trying to make the Bible fit into literal events. And of course, if you try to make them fit into your culture, you're really twisting the Bible to try to make it fit into your, to your events. The truth of the matter is, parts of the Bible are spiritual and mm -hmm. parts of literal. And so you have to really keep the context of the Bible. Remember, the Bible is literature. And in literature is all kind of components. Mm -hmm. there's, there's poetry. Uh, there's narrative. Uh, th there is a, a spiritual matter. There is figurative language. Uh, there's imagery. There's all of that. And so you have to be able to put all of that in its proper context. So just to pick a passage up without any training and just read it and say, oh, I know what this says, is going to get you in trouble. Yeah. And that, unfortunately, that's what we have so much uh, of today is, uh, is folks don't keep in the context. Mm -hmm. Yes, if I'm in an American culture and there's earthquakes and famines and pestilence, that may be God speaking to our culture and telling us he's warning us mm -hmm. we need to change our way. That's how I always kind of think of those things as those not necessarily signs of the times. They're judgments, mm -hmm. much like 
the pestilence and, 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 and the plagues and everything that came on the children of Israel throughout their history, especially in the Old Testament and the early parts of the Old Testament, were judgments and warnings where God was trying to pull his people back towards him and becoming right with, with God. And, and that's, I think, kind of what it speaks more to me rather than this prophetic end-time signs. Yeah, you have to be careful. But as we mentioned this morning in our sermon, when you see that a, a Muslim country, the UAE, is making a peace treaty with Israel, then you do raise your antenna That's up and right. say, could this be part of a prophetic event? Mm -hmm. Now, not all peace treaties with Israel would be prophetic, but certainly in the atmosphere in which we live in, in the day in which we live in, that would be something that should take some attention. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we should look at that and say, oh, especially when we, we see that Saudi Arabia, Egypt already has, other countries are looking at making uh, peace treaties with Israel. Something is afoot in that land that we're supposed to pay attention to. Right. And so those lean towards looking and saying, what in the Bible matches that? Is that mm -hmm. something prophetic? And that would bear watching. Last subject for this particular um, time period or episode, whatever we're going to session, whatever we're going to decide to call um, these times that we meet is, is the subject or of sin and how it is the righteousness of God. It's like you, you hear all, I'm a good person. I, I, I do the right thing. I mean, how could a God that loves everybody damn somebody to an eternity in hell when I'm a good person? I live my life right, you know, and, 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 and what we have to view is the right. We have to judge ourselves not based upon how good I am as compared to you or anything like that, but how good am I or, or my righteousness compared to God's righteousness. And as a Christian, I know that I do not, outside of the covering of Jesus, I don't have any righteousness in and of myself. But how, so how do we explain that to someone who maybe is a, a new person in the faith or someone who's interested in what we talk about, but maybe don't have a Christian upbringing or, or, or any type of background to understand the difference between being a good person and the righteousness God demands to be able to spend eternity with him? Uh, very good question. And it's one that a person, once he or she begins to analyze their life, realizes is an absolute truth for them because I know and I can honestly think about myself that I'm not as good as I ought to be. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no one that can honestly sit down in the dark of night with nothing around them, analyze their life and say, I've always been as good as I should be. Mm -hmm. Now, I may not be a bad person. And there's lots of folks that are not, right. quote, bad, bad people. people. The question, first question you have to ask, am I as good as I could be? Mm -hmm. And if you're not as good as you could be, then you're not righteous. So you have to, in a way that people can understand it, help us to understand we need something we like. Until you understand that, you're not going to look. Mm -hmm. And until you look, you're not going to find. 
That's what the Bible says you have to seek. And that's what a person must first do. And then once you start seeking, once you realize that there is like, so, okay, I can understand that. I am a good person. You don't have to convince everybody they're a mass murderer. Not everybody is a mass murderer. You don't have to convince everybody that you're the worst liar. You're not the worst liar. You don't have to convince I mean, There's some, some really good people in this world. The question is not are you a really good person. Is is are you the best person you, you could be. Mm-hmm. Not is there anybody better than you or worse than you. And the truth of the matter is, I am not the best person I could have been. I could have been better. Mm-hmm. And then why weren't you better? And then how can you be that better person? What kept you from being that better person? And so you lead that conversation. And so then you introduce them to the person that is the best person. And that best person is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you, you help them understand that we can never be that best person. Because that that kept us originally from answering the question, could I have ever been better? And the answer is yes. That's always going to be the answer. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm saved, that's going to be the answer. I'm never going to be that best person. So I have to find a way to know that best person. And that best person is Jesus. And then when I commit my life to him, He covers me with his best. And I am then found right before God, not in my hope to have been the best, but in what was his best. That's an idea. It has to start as an idea. Mm -hmm. And then we can teach them. If they have never been raised in church, you can't expect someone that has never known what you and I know to understand they need to be covered in the blood of Jesus. They need to accept the sacrifice. That's a foreign idea. Mm -hmm. And for us to expect someone to take that idea immediately on and be covered in it, is unreasonable. So that's a conversation you have to begin with someone. But it's a conversation when the Holy Spirit gets involved in it and you begin to show them and pick your Bible up and say, let me show you this person. Mm -hmm. Then let me show you what happened to this person. And let me show you what this person was willing to do for you. The Holy Spirit begins to open their minds up, take away the blinders, and then they can see how that they can enter into that place. So that's that's the process. Mm -hmm. Now, a person that's been in church and knows those things you wouldn't go through that process. You, you, you would be able to talk about, you know that Jesus died for your sins. You know that you need to confess your sins. You know that you need to get an abundance. But, but we live in a society that doesn't know that anymore. That's right. So you can't start at the same place mm-hmm. that we used to start at. That's right. So you've got to help them understand, first of all, what it means not to be good. And I think that requires us to be more tender now than maybe we have in the past when, you know, you go knock on doors and you'd be like, do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? And if you don't know that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. You can't, that, do, that. You can't do that anymore mm-hmm. um, because cause our, our society has changed and, and we have to be, not that there's not a time and a place mm-hmm. for a warning and for a stern message, but by and large, mm-hmm. we have an unchurched and un, an under an underexposed people to anything of God and and so you have to be able to build that relationship so that you can start having those conversations. You'll notice that's what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. To the religious folks, he would call them a generation of vipers. He would really really get down. But when he came to someone uh, that was like the lady at the well or the woman caught in adultery, he would take an entirely different tone and an entirely different view how to deal with that person. 
I think so maybe not so much has changed. Yeah. So so we, we need to do like Jesus. Right. And, uh, and for those that have no idea, we need to help them see. Absolutely. All right. Great discussion. Great. So thank you for joining us with Truth Talk. If you'd like to email in questions, you can do that at abcworth1 at gmail.com. That's abcworth1 at gmail.com. Join us next time when we talk truth.